Hello and welcome back to the Monash Musculoskeletal Research Unit podcast, where we discuss and translate the latest musculoskeletal research to help you keep up to date and improve patient outcomes. My name is Luke Perriton. I'm a physiotherapy educator and a researcher at Monash MRU and in the Department of Physiotherapy at Monash University. And in this episode, I was joined again by Monash MRU podcast co-host and tendinopathy clinician and researcher, Associate Professor Peter Maliaris. And we were also joined by PhD student and physiotherapist Pat Valence, who's doing his PhD in our research group and in the Department of Physiotherapy at Monash University. And he's a key member of our research group. And the three of us had a conversation about one of Pat's PhD studies, which was recently published in the journal Physical Therapy in Sport. And we talk about single leg hopping and calf raise assessments for people with Achilles tendinopathy and their validity. So if you've ever had an Achilles tendinopathy or you're a clinician who treats people with Achilles tendinopathy, then this episode's for you. I hope you enjoy the conversation. As usual, remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from and get involved in the conversation uh, using Twitter by using the handle at MonashMRU. And now on with the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the next episode of the Monash Musculoskeletal Research Unit podcast. My name is Luke Perriton, and we're joined today by Associate Professor Peter Maliaris and the first time on the podcast this time around, Patrick Valence. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. So today we're talking about a paper that Pat published in Achilles Tendinopathy, and this paper is called self-reported pain with single leg heel raise or single leg hop offer distinct information as measures of severity in men with mid portion and insertional Achilles tendinopathy, an observational cross-sectional study. So this is a study that was led by Pat as a part of his PhD and he's doing his PhD at Monash University as a part of our research group. And the lead author, or the, the last author was Peter Maliaris himself and I guess the first question for you guys was that I had was, what was the reason you did this paper? What interested you in doing the research? I'll jump in, Pete, if that's all right. Go for it. Um, so, yeah, so we, we looked at some um, pain provocative tendon specific loading tests uh, for the reason in that they've been recommended as a, a, a outcome um, to measure tendinopathy symptoms. Um, that, was a re- that was an outcome out of the recent consensus uh, meeting, the ICON uh, tenofi consensus. Pete, you might uh, be able to talk a bit more about that. I think you've covered that previously. Um, but yeah, um, so these uh, tendon-specific loading tests have been recommended for tenofi conditions. And in some tenofi conditions, they have been investigated, they have been validated. Uh, but in Achilles tenofi to date, uh, this hasn't taken place. So we thought it'd be a good place to to uh, fill fill that gap. So, looking at um, two common tests: single leg heel raise and a single leg hop, um, for purpose of uh, confirming that when we're doing these tests, we are measuring what we we thought we're actually measuring. Um, they're used frequently in clinic, also in research uh, settings. So it'd be good to uh, make sure we are testing what we think we're actually testing there. Mm. So Peter, you're a 
physiotherapist and researcher. So I'm interested in following up on that comment from Pat about the use in clinical practice. So how often do you get people with Achilles tendinopathy hopping as an outcome measure or, uh, or doing harder tests such as those? Yeah. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a very, very common outcome. Um, it's an easy outcome. It's, a, it's, it's one that you can do without any equipment. It's quick. It's easy. It gives you an immediate uh, finding. It's, it's, a, it's a nice outcome measure. So I think clinically people gravitate towards it. It's uh, probably, uh, I guess, the only reason to not do it in a clinical assessment is if you think the person is very, very, very severe. Uh, that's probably quite rare, though. I think if I think of all the Achilles patients that I see, it's, 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 it is the exception rather than the rule that you get someone who you don't do a hop with day one, um, you know, because they mostly are able to do that. Unless you've got someone who's got, you know, seven, eight out of 10 pain with a calf raise, you'd be quite cruel to do a hop for that person. And is this a paper that's been um, on your list to do for a long time as a established tendinopathy researcher or is it how, what's the story behind this particular paper I've for got Pat's a, PhD yeah look I'll, I'll give the credit to Pat for this one he was the Great. one that um, saw the opportunity with some other data that we have do you want to draw on a divulge Pat yeah sure. yeah we're having a bit of a um, round table meeting um, we had some some studies planned and uh, it, it just seemed odd to me that this work hadn't been done yet uh, to to validate these outcomes in that they're used fairly frequently, I'll say, in the uh, Achilles tendinopathy space, particularly at, uh, in pain studies. So we're looking at pre-post uh, intervention response. Um, and it just made sense to to validate these tests so that we know that we are uh, reporting on what we think we're reporting on. Um, so we, we acted on that uh, with some, some decent sample sizes. Yeah, great. So it's always here, good to hear the backstory for research. So let's go into the methods. What did you do? Yeah. Um, so as I said, we, we had some studies planned. So we, uh, anticipating that was the case, uh, we, we made sure we incorporated a standardized, uh, single leg heel raise and single leg hop, uh, pain provocative test. So getting participants to rate their, their pain on a, on a 10 point scale, zero being no pain, 10 being worst pain imaginable. Um, and then we took that data and we compared it to uh, a very common severity outcome in the Achilles tendinopathy space, which is the, the Visa A. Um, the Visa A, it's uh, recognized as uh, sort of the gold standard severity measure. So we thought with these tests, typically we're, we're suggesting they, uh, the, the heel raise and the, the hot pain that is, typically they, um, they're, they're where we feel we're reporting on uh, severity of symptoms. So naturally, there should be some relationship there. So we looked at the, uh, with Pearson's correlation coefficients, the relationship, but then we also looked at how well one predicted the other uh, with some regression analysis. So not only is it, we, were we investigating if there was a relationship, but we're also investigating whether one yeah, accounted for the other. Um, so whether one could be used in place of the other. Great. Okay, and what did you find? Um, so we found that there was a fair negative relationship between both pain reported for a single leg uh, hop and a single leg heel raise and the visa A. Uh, and we found that there was a moderate negative relationship between 
both the load tests, I believe, and the visa A. Uh, so not strong relationships necessarily, but some relationship there. Um, yeah, so these these were, this is table two, and these were, that, they were both in mid-portion and insertional. So men with mid-portional or insertional Achilles tendinopathy. So when you said fair, right. sort of ranging from 0.3, so R, PS and R value of 0.3, 0.57, is it 0.55? Yeah. And we'll share that. Of yeah. course, the paper will be there in the in the description for this show, so you can have a look at that table yourself. Yeah. So we found um, yeah those relationships, uh, but when it came to the predictive uh, modelling, uh, there was poor uh, poor ability of these load tests, pain on these load tests, to account for the visa A. So we took that to be there is a relationship there between these load tests uh, and symptom severity, as indicated by the visa A. Uh, but uh, they offer distinct information in that one doesn't uh, can't can't be used in place of the other. Um, so that would be our key finding that the load tests offer distinct information towards symptom severity relative to the visa A compared to the visa A. Excellent. Are there any disadvantages? Were there any any reason not to use these tests? Um, the we, we did do some further analysis. The visa A has three domains or constructs. So it measures uh, with different questions, pain, function, and activity impairments. And we found that our load tests were most related to the function construct. Uh, in case of, uh, I believe it was the insertional cohort, it was related to pain there as well um, with low relationship uh, strength. So that didn't offer much information towards activity impairments. Um, we take that to mean that uh, somewhat unidimensional, uh, that the information provided is most related to symptoms are very tied to, to function and to, to some degree pain. And I guess another question that we could have gone to at the beginning was, perhaps let's describe for the listeners the tests, if they're not using, not routinely seeing people with Achilles tendinopathy or they haven't had an Achilles tendinopathy themselves and done these tests. So can you describe the two tests? Yeah, absolutely. So um, fairly, uh, fairly straightforward tests. We used common clinical practice uh, for how these would be performed uh, to, yeah, for, to inform our protocol. So for the single, single leg heel raise, we just have someone standing flat footed uh, on a, on a surface, they can have their hands on, uh, something to help stabilize them in, in front of uh, themselves so long as they're not taking weight through the, the upper limb would then uh, get them to slowly raise themselves up onto uh, on the ball of their foot all the way up as high as they can go and then uh, back down. This is all at a, a self-selected pace that is uh, somewhat conservative, approximately a second in each direction. Uh, immediately after performing the task, they'd then rate their pain on that that scale we talked about before, that rating of zero through 10 for how, how much pain they experienced. Um, for the single leg hop, uh, identical starting position. Uh, the only difference here being that uh, we get them to perform a, a sub-maximal hop, so at a, a self-selected height that's not as high as they can jump. And when they're landing, we're asking them not to let their heel touch the ground. Um, and they'd repeat that for up to three hops so they can get a good gauge of what their pain level is because that's really important in terms of applying the tests yourself is that how you do them pete 
Pretty much, yeah. It's, Do you use uh, a metronome? I don't know. They're very just um, self-selected. It's a, it's um, basically they're really simple. Getting the person to hop a few times um, and assessing pain, trying to standardise as much as possible. Um, there's obviously going to be, um, you know, a little bit of individuality or idiosyncrasy in the way people hop, but that's going to within the individual over time that's going to be okay if you're using it as a within person outcome that's fine um, i just tell them the instructions i give them is hop continuously um, as an achilles patient hop continuously um, and um, basically hopping on toes is important what a lot of achilles patients will do is hop flat-footed so hop and basically you know land on their heel most of the time so those ones are trying to prevent uh, pain and load going through their Achilles. So you can easily remedy that by saying to them, keep your heel off the ground um, and then hop and you can actually appreciate how much pain they actually have. Which I believe, Pat, was similar in our paper. What did what was the instructions exactly? Just Yeah, so for the hop, it was um, self-selected height that wasn't maximal. Um, and yeah, not letting that heel touch the ground between the, the repetitions. Uh, for the heel raise, it was uh, fairly well self-selected. We did say approximately a second in each direction. We gave them a, a demonstration just to give them a, a gauge of how quick. But yeah, that was that was pretty well in line with what you're doing, Clinic there. And you did address that in the limitations of the paper, where you said that effort was made to standardise the single leg hop through instruction, but you acknowledged that. You can't account for different hop kinematics and kinetics between people and potential reasons for those. So, I mean, they're all different uh, conversations that we can have at a later stage. So the purpose of today was just to have a really quick discussion about this paper and let people, listeners know that the paper exists and who the authors were, some of the background to the paper. And of course, if you're interested in finding out more, get in touch with us at Monash MRU or you can connect with Pat. What's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's Pat underscore Valance. Uh, yeah, yeah, nice excellent. I'm at Luke Periton. And Peter is not at Peter Maliaris, I discovered. We'll no. pop your Twitter handle up there on the screen for those looking at the video version. But for the audio, audio version, where can people connect with you on Twitter? At Dr. Pete Maliaris. Got to put the doctor in there to be more official. <laughs> Excellent. Well, let's wrap it up there, guys. Uh, thanks very much, Pat, for your time and for explaining your paper. Great effort getting that one out published and um, hope everyone enjoys having a read and applying some of that in the clinic. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, everyone, for listening. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you are, please subscribe to the episode on social media and add your comments and questions via Twitter at MonashMRU. Until next time, this is Luke Periton wishing you well with your musculoskeletal research and clinical practice.